20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold and from 1265 Lombardi. Mike Welland here with Paul Brettel on this Saturday as... OTAs are done. We're waiting for the mandatory camp to start in a few days or so. So, right, we have some downtime, and it's time to take a look at some Packers history, some lighthearted topics, and kind of take a break from the 2019 season and let that analysis come at a later date. But first, I just do that. Paul, how's everything going, and how's life? Uh, good. Can't complain, Mike, and always happy to be on the podcast talking Packers. Never a bad time to do that. No, not at all. And when I was trying to come up with topics for, for this, and I got the news when I was at work on Friday about the how the Packers are honoring Bart Starr with everything that's going on, which we'll talk about in a minute. And it gave me the idea of going back and looking at some Packers history and looking at just the wide breadth of, of players and great moments and everything that's going on in the past hundred years in Green Bay. Because we're so determined in the present and the future, what's looking, looking on. We don't look often at the past that really kind of defined what the Packers were. And so with the news of Bart Starr, first his passing and now with the team's announcement of the celebration, we, I'm gonna kind of, we're going to take a look at some retired numbers tonight, uh, the numbers that are retired, numbers that could be, numbers that should be, so on and so forth. But first, the big news of Friday going into Saturday was the Packers' announcements of how they're going to honor Bart Starr. And they announced that there's going to be several celebrations planned for the weekend of their home opener, also a grant toward the Barton Cherry Star Foundation, and it's, it's going to be this whole big event. It's going to start, it's on Alumni Weekend as well, so there'll be a lot of Packer players there as well. It'll start on Friday with the Green and Gold Gala. That's going to uh, benefit Family Services of Northeast Wisconsin in the atrium. There'll be a presentation there from Bart's wife, Cherry, their son, Bart Jr., along with some alumni. On Saturday, September 14th, the, the Star family, along with the Packers and Rawhide, will be in New London, Wisconsin, doing a celebration of Bart at the Rawhide Ranch, which is right in my neck of the woods. Always a very good event there, and Rawhide is a very, very important uh, charity and of important part of Wisconsin. That's going to be open to the fans. That's going to be free as well. The details will be announced later. And then when you get to Sunday, the game itself, there's going to be a celebration of Bart Star's life during the game and a big ceremony at halftime. That'll be honoring him with his family there and a lot of former teammates and alumni there as well. It'll be a game against the Vikings. And the big thing is, oh, there will be a number 15 decal on all Green Bay Packer helmets to pay tribute to Bart Starr during the duration of the 2019 season. So that'll be their on-field thing all season long. And the last thing, and in my opinion, kind of really the coolest, is that the Packers are now awarding a $250,000 grant to the Barton Cherry Star Foundation that'll help support Rawhide, the Star Children's Pediatric Center Fund, Cornerstone Schools of Alabama, the Birmingham Humane Society, and there's the and the Packers really do take care of their own, and it really shows with this and uh, seeing the list of things that they're doing just in that one weekend for the Star family and for Packers history and and to help remember Bart for the great man and player that he was, really I think is going to be a, a great event. It's gonna, there's going to be a lot of tears shed. There's going to be it's going to give me chills similar to when Bart, Aaron, and, and Farber all out there at the same time. So, Paul, I'll go to you quickly. What are your thoughts on uh, what they're doing for Bart Starr in the second week of September? Yeah, like you said, I think everything is fantastic, and especially doing it on Alumni Weekend. Um, I just think that's perfect with the history and tradition of the Packers and just the role that Bart Starr played and all of that and really celebrating him on the field. But you know, one of the aspects of when he did pass away was all the stories from around the NFL 
um, you know, Packers fans, non-Packers fans, people in the media, just how he affected so many lives with his off the field. And really, you know, I don't know if there's going to be another player that had that kind of impact as he did both on and off. And um, just what the Packers are doing, I think it's terrific. And I love that they're doing the number 15 decal for the whole season. Absolutely. One thing I saw that I would I would have liked to see was from the insider inbox on Packers.com was if they put a little star with a 15 right at the one goal line where he scored on the sneak oh. <laughs> and just kind of leave that there. That would have been kind of cool. That is. And uh, the thing that sticks with me with all this as well, because I didn't have a chance to talk about Bart on the podcast yet, was just how, like you said, the man he was. And growing up in central Wisconsin, I'm, I live back here now. I drove past the Rawhide Ranch so many times over others by Rochelle, Wisconsin or by New London. And I, I saw Rawhide all the time, and I knew of what Barton Cherry did for that with, with the Gillespies and just everything that was there. And, and I saw people who went there, and it really changed their lives uh, just to help these young men stay out of trouble and help become and learn to uh, become productive members of this world. And just seeing someone like what he did and how he impacted with that. And when I wrote in my tribute for Dairyland Express, I said, he is the greatest leader in, in, in football history, and there's no one even remotely close. He is one of the best men that has ever touched a football. He's one of the best leaders on and off the field. And I'm glad the Packers are doing right by his family and him and, and really doing that with the grant and with the events and just everything going on. It's a great tribute, and it couldn't happen to a better man. But Absolutely. Moving, well, moving on past that, as we like I said, we're going to take a look at some Packers history today with some downtime between OTAs being done and mandatory camp starting in a few days. And I always thought that for a team as steeped in history and a team that's had as big of a legacy as the Packers with their obviously 13 titles most all time, second most Hall of Famers, they're constantly winning. They're one of the winningest teams of all time as far as just pure games won. They only have six numbers retired officially. They have the three for Tony Kennedale, the four for Brett Favre, the 14 for Don Hudson, 15 for Bart Starr, 66 for Ray Nitschke, and 92 for Reggie White. Obviously, 12 will be retired as soon as Aaron Rodgers ever decides to retire, so that'll make it seven. And there are two unofficially retired, but in all intents and purposes are in one, which would be for Curly Lambeau, and five for Paul Horning, which has been issued, I think, twice since he retired, both of which were like one-week things. One was a was during the strike. It was Don Mikowski. One was like a kicker. But, but really, those nine numbers are essentially going to never be worn again in, in Green Bay. But... There's still a lot of guys and a lot of guys who probably deserve to have their number up there and to be never worn again. So for the rest of this podcast, Paul, you and I will be taking a look at some of these guys and what numbers could be retired. And I guess I'll go to you first. What's a number you thought when you're thinking of Packer history that probably should have been retired or maybe still could be? Yeah, and before we get to that, I just want to touch on what you had brought up was the fact that the Packers only have six numbers. I, I absolutely love that. It shows that it's truly earned. And I did a little bit of research. The Bears, Colts, Chiefs, Rams, Patriots, Giants, Eagles, Niners, Titans, slash Oilers all have more numbers retired than the Packers, and the Vikings and Lions have the same. And most of those teams have a much shorter history. So I just wanted to point that out because I do love how – small the list is and how hard it is to join that group. Um, and so the first one that comes to mind with me, like you said, you could go back to that Lombardi era and pick out so many uh, different players. One that comes to mind, though, is Forrest Gregg, number 75. You know, Vince Lombardi called him the, the greatest player that he ever coached or some version of that. Um, and just the role that he played on all those championship teams on the offensive line. He's called the Iron Man, had a 
around, I think, 185 straight games that he started. I know it was different times back then, but still a fantastic number. So that's one that came to mind for me. What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree with you. That was also the first name that I thought of as well was that 75, especially well, part of it is also recency history because we did lose Forrest earlier this year as well. Right. But, yeah, you factor in he was a, a pro bowler, I think, 14 or 15 times. He was one of the best left tackle or right tackles of his generation. He's known as, like you said, there's that quote to Lombard, from Lombardi about him. All, the, all You hear all that all the time. He was a, a good coach with the stuff we did with the Bengals. He, he was the definition of, I guess, the grit and and power of those Lombardi teams because they always they like to run right they like to run behind them with Jerry Kramer and Fuzzy pulling and he was kind of the face of that offensive line and he it just that 75 it as much as I like Brian Bulaga it still doesn't feel quite right seeing that without the mud and the this is kind of the grime that's all over Forrest Greg as well <laughs> right exactly I do think that is one that probably should have been up there but like you said it is great to see that it is very exclusive it is a very you have to be in rarefied air to get that spot which is why well, I love seeing even like guys like Tony Canadeo who does have that three retired. What he did during the Warriors was so great, and obviously the other five are just legends in their own right as well. Uh, the first number that I thought of as well is go- going back to the Lombardi Packers is 31 for Jimmy Taylor. Yep. Because you look at the Packers history with we know Hudson and Sharp and we know all these receivers, and we'll probably talk mm-hmm. about some of them later. But we the 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 in recent history it's been all about the passing game, but. Lombardi's teams were built on the run. They were built on giving the ball to the fullback, and that's Jim Taylor. He's the only guy who held up with Jim Brown head-to-head, and I think he out outgained him every time they faced head-to-head, including beating him for the rushing title. The only year that Jim Brown did not win that title was because Jim Taylor beat him. Taylor was the other hard-nosed block of granite who would grind away the yards. It took until Amon Green's second stint in Green Bay to actually pass him for all-time rushing yards in Green Bay history just what he did as the bedrock of that offense I think is too often forgotten or too often I guess overlooked with how great he actually was and I think that 31 is another 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 number that probably should be up there yeah for sure I 100% agree with that and I want to go back to Paul Horning who you mentioned originally um you know because you said it's kind of unofficially retired because I believe Lombardi talked about it but it just never became official and since Ron Wolf took over, no one's ever worn um, number five for the Packers. But I'm just curious to think, do you think that they'll ever go back, or is it kind of just past that point where they're just not going anymore? With Horning, I think... Make it official, yeah. I think it, I think they might. I think they might, especially if we know if his health starts declining, or because he, he's still going strong. He still comes up to Green Bay every now and then. He's still active. <laughs> I, I think maybe... Because we've had the rush of Packers we lost, and it's going back to Skronsky and Forrest Gregg, obviously Bart recently, that the, the Lombardi Packers are starting starting to pass away. And I think with Horning, I think because he was Lombardi's essentially son. Lombardi mm-hmm. treated him like a son. He loved him like a son. And he well, he, he, oh, he protected Horning above all else. He viewed him as that that the extension of himself on the field. So I think there might be eventually we might see the number five officially go up there. Uh, I think it's more likely that the number one will for Curly Lambeau just to give him something else out there as well. But mm-hmm. I I don't think no one will ever wear five again in the regular season. I don't think that'll ever happen. I think because the tradition's been there, like you said, since the Wolf era, no one has ever worn it. We've seen in, in the regular season, 
We did see it in preseason with Justin Fogle, but never in regular season has a, has a number five been worn since Don Mikowski in the strike year. Mm-hmm. So I do think the number five will never be worn in in a regular season game again, but time still does need to be seen before they ever actually officially put it up there in the atrium. For sure. So, so Paul, I'll go to you. We'll do a couple more a couple more numbers. So what what do you what do you think is another number that could be and maybe should be retired? Okay, I'm gonna go a little bit more recent. What are your thoughts on Leroy Butler? So he was part of the all-decade team in the 1990s, all-pro, should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, 38 career interceptions, 20 and a half sacks, 889 combined tackles, and of course, perhaps the most important part, creator of the Lambo Leap, father of the Lambo Leap. So what are your thoughts on him? That one's a little tougher for me because, especially now, because when you look at the because uh, 75 and 31, I think are ones that. There's there's very specific as what player they are, but 36, you now have Nick Collins, right? Who also has his own very specific history, who might have been on his way to passing Leroy Butler as the best 36, if his if his career hadn't been stopped by the gluteus of Jonathan Stewart. Mm-hmm. But Leroy, I think if he gets in the Hall of Fame, we'll see it. I think eventually, but I think it's going to be very tough to get any other uh, Holmgren Packers besides Favre and Reggie White. I think that would that they were more of a collective team, that, and that they were dealing with other dynasties at the time, as far as San Francisco and Dallas, and eventually Denver. That some of their individual stars kind of got overshadowed. So guys like Butler, guys like Robert Brooks, guys like Frank Winters and Gilbert Brown got really kind of got overshadowed by the other more high-profile teams in that era. So I think 36 is a good number, but I think that's that's more of a very long shot as far as being actually retired. No, that makes sense. And then you brought up a good point as well with 36. You know, you could think of Leroy Butler, you could think of Nick Collins. Does it, that's got to play a part in this decision, doesn't it? Unless they're just far and beyond, you know, spectacular at the position, and that's who you think of. But if there's kind of that mixed feeling of who do you identify with that number, that's got to be a big part of the decision as well. No, definitely, and I agree with you 100%, which, which gives me to my next number. Actually, it is a duo of numbers, and uh, again, it's going back to the Lombardi era and a little bit after, but not a ton, and there are the numbers 26 and 24. Uh, 26 for Herb Adderley and 24 for Willie Wood. Uh, Packers, with that defense with the Lombardi's had at the end of the year, Adderley was the best corner in football when he played. He's still probably one of the top 10 of all time. And to the point where I recently I read the book Distant Replay uh, from Jerry Kramer, where he talked about the reunion of that team, the first Super Bowl team back in 1997. They all came back to Lambeau. And he said when they ran out into the field for their introduction at during the halftime of a game, her backpedaled like he could still play. And he looked like he could still play. It just That just kind of shows the natural player that he was and the fact that he's one of the quietest and nicest guys on and off the field. I think underscores how good he actually was and then going back to Willie Wood I think it'd be cool for him to get uh, and maybe a number hung up there just because of the story he was an undrafted player but even in a round in a, in a, in a year in years where there were 40 or 30 rounds or however many it was back then he went undrafted he was a quarterback he mailed applications to every team he could and he finally got his door with the Packers and he kind of won his a tryout by going up and touching his elbow to the crossbar of the goalpost to impress Vince Lombardi and Phil Bankston. And then he came in and became the one of the leaders of that team behind uh, behind Nitschke and Willie Davis and Henry Jordan 
among those teams, and he's another guy who's kind of on who's kind of forgotten about. But yet, when you th- when you think of beyond those years, can you name another high-profile 24 for the Packers or another high-profile 26 than those two guys and and what they brought to this 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 uh, franchise's history? No, I can't at all. And just since we've just come off that topic, right when you said those numbers, that was the first thing I started thinking about. I started trying to file through 24s and 26s. Um, and no, I didn't have anything that came to mind. Okay, and then, so yeah, I agree. So those are guys, and then I'm going to put out one more, and then I'll let you give one last one too. So, and and we talked about associating numbers with the 36. The other one, there, there's going to be one big number that everyone's going to think about, and that's 80. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Donald Driver, but for me, it'd be for James Lofton. Yep. Because Lofton. You can make case he is the second best receiver in Packers history, maybe third, what, depending on your feelings of Sterling Sharp and so on. Mm-hmm. But what Lofton did was just so many big plays, and he helped, helped bring that offense back from the horror that was the 1970s. And the work he did with Lynn Dickey and then just working under Coach Bart Starr. Uh, just Lofton was so, so good. But that, that if they're ever going to make a case to retire a number for two different guys... It would be 80 for Lofton and Driver, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would definitely think so. I mean, you think back to both players, and both of them were, at, I mean, fantastically, admirably. Um, no, I, I like that pick quite a bit. All right, so then, Paul, we'll go one more, one, one last one. So I guess what what number would you come up with to kind of close things out today? Um, the other one that I was thinking of going back to Lombardi era, and you touched on him a little bit, was Jerry Kramer, number 64. Um, off the top of my head, I don't have any 64s, you know, coming to mind. Was there anything you could think of in that regard? The closest I could think of was like Bruce Wilkerson from the yep. Super Bowl 31 teams, but that's, okay, yep. it's, it's Jerry, it's Kramer's. Yep, exactly. Um, just the role that he played. Once again, that Lombardi team, and we all know Lombardi's play was the power sweep where the guards pull. He was that pulling guard, lead blocker for Taylor and Horning during that time. Um, long overdue for the Hall of Fame, and luckily he finally got in. But just the you know most important play in Lombardi's arsenal, he was one of the key cogs in making it work, um, and just being a part of that dynasty back then. And as we said, number sixty-four, that's Jerry Kramer's number. Oh, absolutely, and yeah, the sixty-four is especially after the ice ball became kind of an iconic number in Packers history. Mm-hmm. Everyone saw the block who was around back then, and or watched it on video later, like I have. Right. <laughs> plus, he was. The lineman who was like to talk to the media. He liked to see his name out in the, in the newspapers and in the headlines. So everyone saw that 64 jersey. And like you said, he, he led that sweep as the pulling guard with Fuzzy and then later Gal Gillingham, where you saw him turn that corner, you saw that 64 plastered right in the front of the photographer's lens. And that, and a lot of times that was the only number you would see because everyone else would be either engaged with the blocker or covered in mud or dirt or whatever. You So you saw that white 64 so clear as day in all these old pictures. And I, I think that would be a great honor for Jerry. And I don't think it'll happen, but I, I would appreciate I think he would get an absolute kick out of it. I think he would his speech would be something else. But there's it's we we said a lot of Lombardy Packers, there's so many other numbers we could think about as well. I mean there's fifty one for Jim Ringo. You uh there's eighty nine for Dave Robinson. You can go even further back to pre war or there's thirty eight for Cal Hubbard or fifty five for Johnny Blood. Mm-hmm. Eighty four for Sterling Sharp. There is so many out there. Just don't do just don't do anything for Ingle Martin. But 
but there's so many different numbers, and I hope at least we were able to spark some conversation for, about Packers history for you guys. There's so many great books to read about the Packers history, and with uh, with so ingra- uh, culture that's so ingrained in the present and the future, it's great every now and then to take a look at the past, and, and being a history graduate uh, myself and someone who's currently working on a book on baseball history, I love reading about years past and reading about what led us to this point in, in sports, and and there's no better franchise to study than the Packers. And maybe hearing some of these numbers would make people go and go and read about these guys or watch some old tape or or something like that. Maybe if Dusty's listening to this, maybe go back if you want to do some film study on some of those old Packers scenes and maybe break some of those on for some articles. But there's, <laughs> there's a lot to think about. And I, I love doing topics like this where we can look back on what made the Packers the Packers. Absolutely. Well said. And so as we wrap things up, Paul, where can we find you on social media? What are you writing about? What are you working on? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettle, B-R-E-T-L. And you can find my work at Dairyland Express. We cover Packers, Brewers, Bucks, and Badgers. Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wetland, all one word. As well, you can find me on Dairyland Express as well. And promise I, Paul, do you, I, Paul, I promise you I will get some more stuff sent out soon. I know it's been a little slow, but I will get back on it as well. No worries. So find us on those spots as well. Also follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast on Twitter, where they'll we'll retweet and uh, like all great stuff from all of our great contributors around as well. And also check out everything written on Cheesehead TV, all stuff like that. Listen to the podcast on wherever they can be found: Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. We're all we're going to be there as well. And stay tuned every day for a new edition of the Packaday Podcast. Tomorrow's I think is Zach and Matub will be taking over for the Sunday edition of the Packaday Podcast. So for Paul Brettel, this is Mike Willen saying so long. Thanks for listening, and of course, Go Pack Go! From the 16 of New York, first down, go to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone. To Wild. Oh, close! And taken by Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown! Geronimo Allison! Allison. Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone in a Lambeau lead to the north end zone stand. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Pepper on third down of three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Pepper looking. Hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline. And intercepted. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers looking right. Throws the right side. St. Brown makes the tackle. Nice Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good! It is good! Mason Crosby delivers a dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! Third and five, 13 yard line of Atlanta. Snap to Ryan, looks right, close, right down. Intercepted to the house for Sean Freeland. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19 yard interception return, and a 
It's 16-7 Packers. And Rodgers looks it over. Takes the snap. Blitz on. They pick it up. Love they got him. They got him. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks in under center. From the 29 in Green Bay. And here's the handoff. Up the middle. Big